It's been three years since the 2017 Power Rangers movie, and we want to talk about it. I'm Rhino. I'm Ken. And we are the Podcast Rangers. Rangers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Rhino, as always, joined by my co-host, Ken. I'm Ken. Yes, you are. Uh, and nope. like I said, in, <laughs> nope, I refuse. Uh, like I said in the uh, the teaser here, we're going to talk about the 2017 movie. You know, it was released on March 24th, 2017. And the reason why I remember that off the top of my head is I'm actually drinking out of one of the plastic movie cups with the <laughs> from from the movie theaters. And I just turned it and saw on the bottom it said March 24th. So we're a little late to the game if we wanted to talk about it exactly on its three-year anniversary. But I thought better late than never. Am I right? Yeah. I am. I'm going to say that is a confident, a resounding yes from you, Ken. So, um, A lot of confidence. So I figure what we can do is we'll start in the, the beginning of this movie. Just talk about our general thoughts. Not, not about the movie as a whole, but just, you know, did we like it? Did we not like it? And then um, move into basically notes about the movie as we watched it. And then we'll circle back around to some conversation pieces. So, Ken, did you or did you not enjoy this movie? No, no, I did enjoy this movie um, much more than I anticipated, I think. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes. No, so yes. Okay, very clear answer. Very clear, very clear. Um, Yes, I also did enjoy this movie. I think I saw it in the movie theater like six times. Um, That's You have it as like a badge of honor. Whenever we talk about this movie, you're like, you know, I saw that in movie theaters six times. I think it's the movie I've seen in the movie theater the most. Um, And You would take people to see it. That's the thing that you've you've kind of like established as like, well, someone would be like, oh, I haven't seen this. And you'd be like, oh, you haven't? And then you take them. Basically, anybody that knows me knows how much I love Power Rangers. So I made a rule for myself where I said, if anybody said, hey, do you want to go see Power Rangers? I'd say, absolutely, no hesitation, and I would go. And also, around that time, I was, I don't, still don't have the entire series. I'm still missing uh, a middle set. But the, um, if you bought some of the Blu-ray, or not the Blu-rays, but the the complete series sets, uh, you know, like complete seasons of Super um, Megaforce or something, or Dino Charge, it would come with a free movie ticket, too. So, what I did pay to go see it. The, I saw it twice in 24 hours because I saw it the first night and the second night when I was visiting a new friend and then I saw it when I came back. So I saw it like three times within that opening three or four days right there. And then I I was like, oh, well, this, this Dino Charge complete first season has a movie ticket with it. Why don't I just get this? Or, yeah. It I wouldn't have been. I think, uh, no, I was just going to say, I think it was actually like Megaforce and uh samurai and i had just i had i had all of the i was trying to collect all of the shout factory editions and so those were coming out and i was like well these are kind of on sale for so if i get this i'm gonna see the movie again anyways they were like they were like on sale for like 10 bucks and i was like well these are really three dollars then because the movie ticket's gonna be like seven bucks so that'll be fine that's like a dramatic kind of like oh a thousand Yeah, but I knew I, I'm like I said, I made it that rule where I was going to go with anybody that wanted to see it and I wanted to support the film and everything. But long story short, I did enjoy it. I remember the first time seeing it 
The first person I saw it with was my best friend's boyfriend. She was on the show, Kim, her boyfriend, Mike, um, or excuse me, her fiance, her fiance, Mike. And, um, and I went, uh, she was unable to go that first night and, uh, Mike's a couple of years older than us. And he was like, I know what a power ranger is, but other than being able to like, maybe point to it in a crowd, I know nothing beyond that. So I think he was just, well, he was just kind of like humoring me. I think so. Uh, when the movie was over, he turned to me and was like, I enjoyed that a lot more than I expected to. So I was like, oh, good, 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 good. I remember the movie being a lot more emotional than I expected it to be. I thought it was just going to be. And we'll get into that, too, because I honestly think it was the advertising that failed this movie. One thousand um, uh, percent. Probably. Yes. Well, I think they waited too long to start the hype train for it. It was like basically it was like January and we still hadn't gotten like a real trailer, I think, or something like that. And the movie came out at the end of March. And also it was release timing because uh, it, just for reference to that year in 2017, uh, Beauty and the Beast came out, I believe, I think it was the week before. Um, and that was a huge hit for Disney. And so right there that, you know, people, People can't, the average person can't afford or can't go just based on life, you know, to the movies every single week, like a crazy, but like me, you know, or other average moviegoers and stuff like that. But I understand, like, if it's a family and, you know, it's a lot of money to go to the movies and, you know, having it right next to that Disney movie, that was a mistake. And also, that year was actually a down year for movies because that year, I believe, was the same year that Transformers. The night one, whatever that one was, came out. Oh, and that, night. yeah, and that made like that, I think, made less than Power Rangers made. And it's not, not entirely less, but its opening weekend was incredible, was like really, really low. I think, especially in comparison to the other Transformers movies. And then, like, I think Bumblebee was the thing that turned that around, but that's also well, a better movie. But that's exactly, yeah. But that was the thing. So it was like a down, it was a down year, you know, on top of that, it was a release scheduling. And then on top of that, it was like marketing, honestly. And then, um, cause the movie got good word of mouth. I, I mean, I, I wanted to know if anybody didn't like, it or they liked it or not, but I remember basically the, the impression I was getting was that people enjoyed it a lot more. They were like, I'm actually surprised. Like a lot of people were surprised by it. And, uh, I don't know. So I think it's kind of a shame it didn't do better because I thought it was a really good starting point for what could have been an interesting franchise. But um, I will tell you, I did read a review of the movie around that time after I'd seen it so many times. And it was an interesting article. And I wish you could find it again because it basically its take on the movie was that it's a Power Rangers movie that is embarrassed to embrace the fact that it's a Power Rangers movie. And that always Hmm. that always stuck with me. You know, um, and I'll, I'll bring that up as we go, because I thought about that again today while I was watching it uh, before we were recording this. And I I was like, you know, that's a lot of that is true. A lot of that is very true because I've been I've been kind of going through um, watching a bunch of Star Trek movies like I was watching um, the Next Generation films because I just got those on Blu-ray. But then I went back and watched all of the Kelvin timeline. So the two J.J. Abrams and then the Justin Lin Star Trek Beyond into darkness and the 2009 Star Trek. And I'm thinking about, I think about that in comparison to this, because if you throw back to what Star Trek was in the sixties, if you've ever watched one of the episodes from like the original series, it's, it's campy, you know, it is, it is, 
the ideology of the show is still there, but it's, you know, it's, it's slower pacing. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, a lot of it. And I think it was considered sometimes to be a children's show. And that's why it moved into the animated series after it was canceled. But, um, the interesting thing, I mean, and the reason why I think JJ Abrams version of it succeeds in many ways, you know, I, I get that it's a lot more like star Wars versus star Trek and, um, I take it as being more about the reasons why it was this crew that was together for so long. That's what I think about when I think about Star Trek 2009. But um, is that a lot of the iconography from the show is very present and very. If I had never watched any other Star Trek and only watched the original series and then I turned on the Chris Pine, you know, Zachary Kunto version, I would know that that was the original series still, you know. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's even with its updated look, it still is very much that like their uniforms, you know, they ask the redesign, but they're still the uniforms, the phasers. They still have like, if I hold the phasers next to each other, they look like the phasers. They have their communicators, their flip up communicators. They make the same noise. You know, he's got a tricorder. Yes, it's smaller and different, but it's, it still is the tricorder, you know? And I think, you know, that's a, uh, when that movie came out, that was, you know, 45 years after the original or so. And mm-hmm. I think this Power Rangers movie, it took a lot of that away. You know, it, it was, there's no Morphers. It's just the power coins. Okay. Um, and that's okay. I, I'm that's- not one of those fans who I'm like, everything has to be there from the original show, you know, but like you tinker with it, but it took the Morphers away. It took the communicators away. It took, you know, it, it took stuff. It to basically, basically took away anything that it deemed, like either campy or like unrelated. You know what I mean? Like it shoots away. Sorry. Toyetic, like anything that would be on the show as recognized as like something that could be sold as a toy. I don't even know because, because I was thinking about this while I was watching this today. Okay. And, and I, I didn't have this conversation with you ahead of time. So, so let me know what you think about this. So they, they have, you know, they find the coins in this movie and they are all the color coded coins, which, you know, and that's fine and good. All right. So for me, I always thought the morpher, which is this silver box is kind of like the thing that harnesses the power of those coins, you know, and it, it, it enables mm-hmm. them to be, you know, use this, this mystical power or, or whatever the it coin is. Isn't, isn't the powerful, like, isn't the complete thing. Like you need both right. to be able. It's, it's a lock and a key, right? You know? Yeah. And, and is, is, you know, it, that's, you know, it, it's, it's the transformer that gets the power into your house and the coin is the power plant. So okay. it's like, it, it's, it's like, so my thing is, oh, okay. They removed a step, but one of the, I thought so easily while I'm looking at it and I get that they're okay. Well, it's these things and whatever I thought, you know, the original morpher because it's silver and the shape of it, like, why wasn't it like. Easily, if I had been in that production department, I would have been like, okay, well, it's a stone. You know, like, what if the original Morpher, because it's gray, it's well, like a rock. They sold these the Morpher, did they them, not? You know? Like, when Toys R Us was closing down, there were tons of Morphers that you could buy from this movie, yes? Oh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It's not a Morpher, though. It's I think they did that just to sell it to people, but I have it. I know what you're talking about. It, it's just the thing that holds the coin in the belt. 
Because when they morph, they don't hold up a morpher. But I don't know that. We never got to the second movie, so we don't know if that was an actual morpher or not. Well, You're right. Okay, You're right. and that that goes to the other thing. Like it it removes a step, but it also increase. Like, is it almost for just plot necessity? Because that is what like f- almost thirty minutes okay. of the movie. Okay, let's. You know what? Let's pause this right here because that does actually come up in my notes. So okay. let's just dive right into the movie. All right. I just I kind of what I did is when I watched, I just wrote down anything that came to mind while I was watching it. How how do your notes work? Um, they're so I mean, they're mostly in chronological order, though. But like my first thing is just Elizabeth Banks tops is just like that's I have an arrow that goes to tops because I think she might be the best part of this movie. But then everything else is pretty much chronological. Okay. yeah. Well, she's in the (laughs) opening scene. So it's I mean. More like, you know, we don't know. She, the actress, so might that, her voice is there. That movie, the movie just kind of starts, right? And it's, mm-hmm. you're it's in it. Ding, 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 ding. Th- that soundtrack, the score. Yeah. And it's like, you're seeing like Zordon and like, he's a ranger. And which we had heard about in the, the show. Like he talked about like when he had powers, um, but you're actually you seeing know it. that he was a power ranger. He just was a warrior, though, because you never see him morphed. He never talks about being morphed or being a power ranger, but he was a he was a warrior. Yeah. OK. Um, but like to actually see that and make, like have that be s- some sort of like visual interpretation and then see another ranger and then seeing them die. Um, well, but in also, trust to him. Yeah, we, well, we've never even seen. You, I, you're you're talking about a scene that's been alluded to. You know, we know there was a battle because uh, right. it left Zordon in the command center on Earth, and Rita was banished or whatever, and somehow she ended up in the movie. So, you know, that's a scene. When I was a kid in high school, I wrote like a fan fiction about like what I would. I went to film school because someday I wanted to make a Power Rangers movie. So, I am. Uh, when this was getting made, I thought, well, my dream's dead. Um, <laughs> but I, I just thought. You know, the part of the thing I wrote when I wrote a treatment was about a scene that took place on Earth between Rita and Zordon at the beginning of the movie. Like it wasn't like that. It wasn't. It was similar to this. Was it was she, a showdown was between a green, them. Was she? the? She green was not ranger. a Green Ranger. No, that was that's original. This movie. Tell me your thoughts, how you feel about that. I really love it. Like, mm-hmm. so the idea of in the original show. Rita creating her own ranger to be her warrior to fight the Power Rangers was always like a cool thing. Like the green with evil thing. That was the VHS I had of this show of that show when I was younger. Like my neighbor was like, Hey, I got you this. You like Power Rangers. Here's some nonsense. And I was like, just the same neighbor that stole your toys. No, 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 no. This was like the babysitter neighbor who was like, you like VHS tapes uh, because you're a fat child who lives alone. And then I was like, yeah, Um, I do. (laughs) Give me this ain't candy. Uh, so now, like, to to think like, oh, she's she was the Green Ranger. That makes perfect sense to me. And then for what her visual aesthetic is later on is fantastic. As an like illustrator, as like a creator, I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also I when it happened, I was like, it literally was one of those things when you find out about it, you're like, makes sense. I, I think it was a like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it was always like she always had that green power coin. So you're like, well, how did she get that? Because I assumed it was that coin was how she got Zordon or that or her magic, how she got Zordon 
blocks away and, you know, cr- I don't want to say she cursed him or whatever she did to him that made him an interdimensional being. Somebody that was essentially a ghost that lives between all these worlds. And she made him into a beanie baby. Made him into a beanie baby, the platypus one. Um, well, so my notes actually kick off before you even where you got to. So, <laughs> cool. yeah, it's like what you said. The movie just starts. I I will tell you, I actually really do enjoy the score of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's. I feel like it's it's a bunch of different types of music, but I really like, um, I really like this like opening number, this opening, um, uh, theme that plays when it is the Zordon Rita and the Cenozoic era, or however you say it. Um, and, uh, I, I also like when it, it, it dips into that kind of, um, you know, that 80s synth Tron stranger things type that it does every now and then. I actually wish it leaned into that even more. Um, but, uh, does, I, does that come up again? Like that synthy? Yes, it does. And I wrote it down up. when it okay. does. Yeah. Um, right. so I was a, um, when I was going into this movie, I'm a big fan of, uh, my aesthetic in filmmaking is whenever there's like a really cool shot, a really cool setup of a shot. I, I am drawn to this. What I really enjoy about the way JJ Abrams makes a movie is he, he, he uses a lot of really creative cinematography when he does movies. Usually whether you like the movie he's making or not is a different story, but it's very visual filmmaker. Um, Shot well. Yes. And so one of those things is right. I, I remember consciously having this thought where I was like, well, you know, I really hope there's just a bunch of cool creative shots. Cause I would hate to go into this movie and it just be such a basic movie. And the, opening shot of this movie is this like amazing you know the shot of like the what looks like a volcano exploding or whatever and then it's like the pterodactyls flying and that zoom is actually coming out of zordon's shield and then you're like oh there's this like red ranger so right away you get to see the suits in action and then you know he's crawling on the ground with this score and he's like speaking in this uh, what i what I assume is Eltarian. I don't know if that would be the language or not, but he's, he's speaking this language. And um, do you know that the yellow ranger is an Aquatarian or Aquitian or whatever you want to call I, people of Aquatar? No, like she, she looks I, different, but he also looks well, I saw it on a site that it was, it was a reference to that, that that was an intentional reference. Uh, I think yeah. because of the purple in the head and the, all that sort of stuff. I, so I, I'm uh, going to say this and it's an aside and it might be deflated later, but if you're, you're predicating this on like a or part of your thoughts are that this movie is a power Rangers movie. That's a shame to be power Rangers. The last thing I think they would go to is that, race of people (laughs) true but they also you know the movie i i think i think they looked into some stuff and they were like okay well what were the alien rangers and they're like all right well it's zordon and then those alien rangers that were there i don't think it's that because it's don't forget the the thing in this movie is the zeo crystal so yeah and so it's I guess not it's the, the only deep. other power rangers reference because there's a pretty deep power rangers reference later in the movie okay but it stands so, out. It stands out to me like a sore thumb because they didn't make any other references until it gets to the end. But maybe it wasn't we, obvious to you. I don't know. We we see Zordon's face in this moment. Yes, like after because yeah, he, he he rips the coin from his hip and he so un- unmorphs. And if it's we compare Zordon. this to 
if we compare this to when we saw Zordon last in a Power Rangers movie, does his like, does the makeup on the face look similar? Yeah, I think so. I think I think he looks like to me like the 1995 movie when he's out of the tube, but like younger. And there's definitely more to the makeup. It's the same kind of skin tone to me, um, but it's mm-hmm. you know a lot of tattoos or or designs or something around his face. You know, to give okay. him that a little bit more of that like kind of alien warrior look to him. I hadn't really thought about that much, but last night while I was like rewatching this stuff, I was watching the special features and like there's the blooper reel and it's just Brian Cranston just in face. makeup, but with like a well, he's like in full all the way down to his neck, but then he's just wearing a blue like flannel. So it's he's doing all of his lines as Zordon, but he's wearing a flannel and it's yeah. very, very funny, but. I was like, oh, he doesn't look that far off from what I, like, in my mind's eye, the, the 1995 Power Rangers movie. Well, he also ruined the surprise that it was he was going to be a Red Ranger because he, like, signed a book for the Red Megaforce Ranger and wrote from one Ranger to another. And I was like, from one Red Ranger to another. And I was like, oh, cool. The movie's not out yet, but thanks, everyone, for ruining that. Thanks um, a lot, Cranston. Um, but yeah, um, uh, what I said, okay. So also this was one of those things where like, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the suits, but I mean, it it was one of those, like, remember the first time we saw the suits was the, the entertainment weekly, like picture they put out. Mm -hmm. And that is still to this day, I look at it and I think that is not a good picture of those suits. Like there was so much better stuff that came later, but I, these suits, like, I don't even think that was the first time I saw it. I think I saw a set photo without yeah. the faceplate thing because they did practical suit stuff. Um, yeah, it's they did because they had green on the on the chest. But it it was what it's what a workshop that did the design work, right? Like it's the Peter yeah. Jackson like film like company, um, which we should bring that up later because there's some stuff coming out recently related to that. But, um. I remember seeing those and I was like, I was like, huh. All right. Like, I don't like that. They don't have their faces on, but it's, it's physical suits. So that's interesting. And like, they're at least keeping that, but yes, I agree. The entertainment weekly thing was, it's not abysmal, but it's also not like the, it's not like a glamor shot of what these suits could be. Yeah. Well, the the big thing was they were all like, "Oh, this looks like Iron Man." I was like, "Well, I don't agree with that. I think you just think that because of the chest." But I, I also remember thinking they really brought this weird focus onto the diamond on the chest that I was like, uh, "I don't know." But then I've also seen some unused concept art, and I'm like, Ugh, "I don't." There was like one. There were some like better helmet designs, but overall, I think we got the best suit. But, um. I, so also about the opening, I like that they're speaking their like own language and stuff. Um, I, it's interesting too. Like you see that big giant Zeo crystal behind Zordon. And I think like, are they even going to get to the Zeo powers? Because I was thinking about how their suits just look, they don't necessarily look dinosaur specific or because of the way that they are, because they're like this armor. I think they could have just morphed the suit just enough to change its appearance from movie to movie that it would still mm-hmm. have been, you know what I mean? It would have set it up that it, it could have been like them physically and mentally changing it versus like them Do being you, like, Oh, that's clearly the Tyrannosaurus. That's clearly the Triceratops. Right. Well, so they had a certain aesthetic, like already established. And so 
to especially considering what era this like is this fight is happening do you think that they got to the planet and then like so think of beast wars right like they got to earth and took forms of yeah, animals Alpha, that are Alpha says, it, says it in the movie okay so like zordon didn't already have this certain aesthetic prior to getting there it's like he like well, we we don't actually know whether the power coins come from earth or not either Okay, so, well, and then I guess going from there, like, if we were to get to the the Zeo crystal stuff, like, how in the show it changes what they look like. I don't think it would have changed the movie suit. I I think if, because I think if they had gotten to where they'd gotten, I don't think the movie suits would change drastically. I think they'd always be like, okay, well, these are our Power Ranger suits now, and those are our power. It's like how Iron Man suit in the Iron Man movies is always an Iron Man suit, but it changes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be something like that where it's like changed, you know, aesthetically, maybe from director to director, if it wasn't the same director, this is also well, a m- moot point because we're not getting another one of these movies. Two so minutes, we're two minutes into this movie. Also, this is exactly yeah. what we were. All right. Continue. Yeah. So I'm going to keep going. So, um, so what's something that I kind of was picking up on this time in the millions of times I've seen this movie now, because I'm telling you, I watch this movie every time I got on an airplane when it was playing, when, when it got into that mode where it was out of the theater and like right about on Blu-ray, I, I would watch it. I was flying back and forth to California like 10 times a year. And I was like, I'm going to watch this every time I'm on the airplane. And then it wasn't on the airplane to watch on the Delta movie selection. I was watching it on my iPad, but um, something I picked up on this time, I never, or maybe it's just because I'm making notes is that this movie opens with two red Rangers struggles and like the two different places that they're in emotionally and mentally before they are both irreparably changed. (laughs) Uh, okay. Do you see what I'm saying though? I've it's, it's the two red Rangers, right? I mean, to transition to what Jason is going through at that immediate transition, because I have in my notes, I was like, this is one of the weakest transitions I have seen in a movie. Oh, no, I think it's because I think going into that, that's kind of like not you're supposed to know, but you do know that Jason is the man who is like basically the main character. And you're supposed to see like, okay. There's this one ranger who dies in battle, and then there's this other idiot that flips his truck over because he stole a cow. Well, so no, I'm not even talking about the 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 because I also have stuff about the car chase thing. Like, I think the car chase scene is great. Like, the, yeah. it's shot really well. It's yeah, and like the conversation between him and uh, dude from the office, like Jason, is, like, um, not Jason something i i i knew i knew his name is something uh my god i wrote roy to the i just listened to the office book like the audio book this week so it is roy and it's i don't know what is it's i i literally just saw it two seconds ago and i was like oh yeah david dunn that's his name um it might not be david dunn oh it's david denman that's it david denman and it was so he's the reason to watch brightburn there's not many reasons sucks. to watch Brightburn. Um, Anybody that was best. like, this movie's so good, I'm like, you're an idiot. The idea of- is really good. The idea is great. The movie's execution is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so sidelined. But that, so I'm talking about like the, that 
initial scene in the high school, like it is such a stupid thing that they're doing. Yeah. And there is not a lot with Jason after that fact where I'm like, he is this stupid to do this thing. So I, it's, I, it's jarring. It's a jarring transition. is what I'm saying. Like to I go think, from the Zordon thing to that. Well, I think the idea being, I mean, yeah, Jason is doing a stupid thing, but I think Jason also knew he was doing a stupid thing and he doesn't want people to just keep being like, oh, you have to be this type of a person. You have to be this type of a person. You know, it like it is in line with the it is in line. The actions that we see taking place in the opening of the movie are in line with the emotional journey his character is on later in the movie, I think, because mm-hmm. I, I think it's him ripping up a life that he's not happy with intentionally. Okay. I mean, like, I'll give you like, that is one of the biggest issues I have, like, which is telling, like, if this is the issue I have with this movie, how much I actually enjoy this movie. But like that transition to go from like such the high of the Zordon Rita scene. Yeah. But that's on purpose. That's intentional. It's supposed to be like, look at this idiot, you know, like you, that that's why I literally just sounded like Tommy was so, when he's trying to explain the room yeah that's on purpose um Um, i just think it's like (laughs) it's it's like he it's the cut when he's upside down in the car because he did such a stupid thing think about it think about it the last shot in zordon scene is zordon like dead on the ground in that battlefield and the last shot of jason in his scene is him dead on the ground in his battlefield which was high school football hijinks you know what I mean? Okay. It, so it's yeah, kind of like, I, it's kind of saying, look at where Jason is in terms of his area. Look at where Zordon was. Jason has to get to Zordon. So it's, you you're seeing it end in a start. Like, I was going to say ironic contrast, but it's not ironic contrast. Well, it's it's, it's just, an on purpose contrast, though. It's definitely on purpose. Yeah. Like, but I, I do, I because I also love that it's like that cut to, although it is weird to look at Power Rangers written without a lightning bolt or anything in between it, especially since they left enough space to have the lightning bolt. And let's stop for a second really quick. It, when I talk about uh, things that annoy me about this movie not embracing, one of them is the lightning bolt. You took one of the most iconic thing in Power Rangers is its lightning bolt, okay? And you made it the flash lightning bolt for some stupid reason. And like, as if we were going to see it in the movie at some point, which we do because it's them doodling on the paper, but that's it. Why couldn't they have doodled the the lightning bolt? Like the one in the show that makes that. That's the part that listen, go ahead. As someone, a a three dimensional lightning bolt, like is in the traditional power Rangers lightning bolt. I'm looking at the one from the Trini box right now from the lightning collection. Listen to me. I have a metal lightning bolt hanging on my wall right in front of me. Right. So try to draw Um, it right now in comparison to that weird. Have you seen my tattoo? (laughs) Right. Well, I'm saying the three dimensional one is much harder to draw than the other one. No. So yeah. Yeah. Whatever. The kid, one of the kids is an artist. He's got the colored pencils. You saw it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, my thing is, I mean, maybe it was intentional because they wanted to say, this isn't the show yeah. that you watch when you were a that, kid. And that that's why, but, but again, intention. I think, you but know, I didn't, the 2009 Star Trek it. film still used the same Star Trek symbols on their uniform, the same Star Trek symbols in the show and everything. Well, it's because it was the same one that 
I was going to say it's the same one they used for 50 years, but then I was like, well, this is the same kind of design they used for almost 30. So no, this, yeah, this, I was going to say the lightning bolt is still the same lightning bolt even today. I mean, the season one lightning bolt is different than the one that came after, after like Zio and forward is a different lightning bolt. Anyway, I digress. We're going to have to move a little bit faster to get through this in the amount of time we have left because we've already spent 30 minutes on the first two minutes of this movie. So, um, okay. So two red Rangers. I agree with you. I really do like the opening shot with Jason and how it was shot. Cause I really do like that spinning shot in the truck, like even to the dump truck backing out and the lights turn on and all that stuff. Um, so I, I think they could, they, I, I, what I wrote down here too is it's because this is right after the opening, like where it says Power Rangers. I think they did a good job of making this movie very emotional, you know, having it be things that teenagers can like nowadays could relate to because of like why Kimberly's there, you know, with the what I, I, I don't know, even 100% clip, like the sexting or whatever it was that got her in trouble. I assume, like, yeah, or she sent a picture of whoever was doing that to her no 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 the girl the girl like had nudes of herself or something and shared it with kimberly and then kimberly showed it to a guy so basically kimberly was the one who spread nudes of this girl around school is what is what i take from it yeah and so i i don't i don't think i think it was like a vanessa hudgens situation Oh, it's a high school musical. The girl in high school musical when her nudes got leaked and she was like, I mean, so I'm young. aware who so she sad. is, but, um, but okay. No. So continue. Cause it's, um, so, okay. So I, I said, I enjoyed how Jason's, sto- Jason's story, his entire arc is really about, um, he just feels like he's in this thing in his life that everyone is like, Oh, I know. Ex-, and he says it later in the movie. I, you know exactly who I am. Like it's about being like, well, you are, you're the stereotypical high school quarterback who's going to be whatever. And his parents want you to do this and that. And I think he's in that moment where he's like, I don't know that this is who I want to be. And rather than and nobody ever asks him, you know, it's just him having right. to fit into these like pre-assigned roles and stuff like that. So I, I said, and I enjoyed it- that it takes someone who it can't necessarily fit into any specific role to recognize the things about him that are different because he is so different. Well, I wrote a, I, I feel like I relate to relate to his thing because I had a situation where like my older brother and then my sisters beneath me, like my older brother uh, had um, some like just a, a great person and stuff. He just had some like, um, you know, issues learning as he went up. I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like he, I, I, we think him, well, we, th- we could just ask him, but we think he might've actually been dyslexic. Um, mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And then my younger sister also, like when she's, it, it was just a whole thing. And, um, and, and they were, they're good. They were, they were, didn't like fail anything like that, but they required like extra attention in school. And I was just somebody who was just was very easy for me and so like it always upset me that like it was great for my older and younger sister to have like a c and if i had a b it was unacceptable and so it was one of those like i I relate to it in that way where you know and then also i was heavily involved in like activities in school like student government and like drama club and sports and and stuff like that i almost said a bad word um 
So it always, it always, you know, you feel that pressure when you're involved in that, a lot of stuff and people are like, well, you chose to do this, but also you're like, well, yeah, you know, I want to do this and I want to enjoy this. But then like when you start doing stuff, you kind of like everybody expects something of you. And because you do certain stuff, they, they assume you're a certain person and then they expect you to be that person, you know, but anyway, yeah. And so, um, I said, uh, I, I like, I feel like that role for Jason in this movie is a relatable, like high school feeling. You know what I mean? When you're, you're mm-hmm. expected to be this thing and you've got, especially when you're like close to being a senior, you've got that, that, you know, well, this is your ride for the rest of your life. And you're like, well, you're 17 years old. What are you going to do? You know? Um, right. and then we move into the school and I, you know, right away when you see RJ Seiler, who's playing Billy, I always thought, I always think for me, RJ Seiler and Becky G are the two standouts in this movie. Not that I don't enjoy them all, but they're the standouts for me. I, I think RJ is, is tops for me. Um, mm-hmm. not to like, Talk, speak no, negatively. No, I but agree. I, I, I love the entire team a lot. Like my favorite character from this is not any of them. Uh, it's Zach, but that's for different reasons. But RJ, I think, is is in just in terms of like acting. Like, Zach is your favorite in this movie. There's certain elements of him where I'm, I appreciate what is very like almost understated to him. Interesting. Um, okay. And that that might come into like when I was like a resident coordinator, resident assistant, like there are certain tendencies that he has that I was like, oh, they're going for this, but they don't necessarily push it forward so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but RJ, like, I mean, are, are we to assume like it's he's on the spectrum? Yes. He says that in the movie. Yeah. And then okay. Jason makes the joke about saying, what is that a workout like Tybo? So, like, that I appreciate much more, like, having individuals in my family who are on the spectrum, like, to have them have a character who is so awesome in the entirety of the movie. Like, the the reason that they're able to do the things that they do later on, mm-hmm. derived from this character, like, struck me, like, much more emotionally than I think, like, oh, anything else in the movie did. Um, just because like, you know, like my nephew on the spectrum and to be like, oh, he definitely has a character who can be like, he can not necessarily represent him, but like associate with maybe. Um, well, that's and that's and, I think I think that's the nice part they took from the show is that, you know, the show always had people, of you know, Alpha makes the the line in the movie about different colored coins, different colored things different colored kids and that's i always think but it, it like this movie kind of brought that up to the next level mm-hmm. where it was like it's not just because you know i think that's a fundamental thing I, I know it's embarrassing to say this but not embarrassing not embarrassing i don't know why i was i'm saying embarrassed by this but you know i i was like my teacher always used to call us latchkey kids because we're the generation of kids whose parents worked full-time and so we had to like undo yep. the latch it, it's a term it's a term for the generation from where we come from but um, and so I think that a lot of us, some of us, I think were, you know, a lot of upbringing is influenced by oh what we God. saw. And I think one of those, I think a fundamental thing for me was this show that had people of all different, you know, backgrounds and, and shapes and sizes and colors and everything that came into it. And then you think like, it made me think nothing of it later in life. Cause you're just like, well, that's, it was the first time I'd seen something where 
it was like, well, this represents a lot of different types of people without consciously knowing it was doing that. It wasn't to like five or six years into the show that I even realized that, that there was always different ethnicities. In the show. Yeah. I just was like, Oh, that's the world. Blah, blah, blah. You know? And then what's nice about this movie is it includes, it brings into the next, next level of being, well, there's, you know, like you said, somebody on the spectrum. And then we have an LGBTQ, um, character in here as well and so i always i think that's a nice thing about this show it, it you know it, it was one of those where it's reflective of the world you grow up in i think in a you know in a children's show and that's always nice you know right. um so anyway so there's uh, this uh, we're gonna have to keep moving keep moving keep moving keep moving i know we're trying but it's there's stuff to talk about so i don't know this is what um, we got Okay. Did not realize that's what latchkey meant. And oh, yeah, it, it it refers to I guess it refers to a ch- you going up to a house and having to undo the latch to go through the backyard to go I like had the latch to of a fence. No, to get into my house after school, dude. One time wow. I had to unlock my door. I cut up. I didn't cut it up. It was out by the trash. It was a um a Mountain Dew box like a 24 pack i had to rip it up and use that to pick the lock like to shimmy the lock open on my front door i was like i don't trust you with a key you gotta you gotta shove yourself through the window so this is why i'm skinny now is because of these like metal gear solid things i was having to do as a chubby child yeah i I mean i was lucky i most of the times was dropped off at my grandparents that basically happened to me only a couple of times (laughs) but um, but one of the other things, so when we're, we're still meeting all the characters, I know it's 40 minutes into this episode and we're still just meeting all the characters, um, in the detention setting, I was always, I like the guy who plays the detention, the teacher. I always kind of wish that was like, maybe Paul Shire, like was bulk. I don't think I said his name, right. Mm. I feel bad, but I always kind of wish he was like bulk or skull was, that was their cameo because I would have liked more than just Tommy and Kimberly being the cameo, but I don't know how that works. And I don't know who they reached out to, but Regardless, I said um, so, like, who would be recognizable, I guess, like those two definitely, but Bulk and Skull, maybe not. I don't know. I feel like that's uh, that's again, who are you making the movie for? You know, are you making it for everyone? <laughs> are you still respecting where it comes from? You know, um, so I said I, I enjoy. Uh, so Kimberly's first introduction to her, what's going on with her is um, she goes into the bathroom to meet the other girls from the cheerleading thing and. I said, I like the shot. And I was thinking about this recently. So they kind of bust out of that, um, that I want to call it a cubicle, but that's what they call it in England, the stall. And, um, the shot is Kimberly in the shot. And then behind her is the mirror. And that's how you can see the two girls and they take out the photo. And then, you know, it's a close up. They cut it and then they stab it on the wall next to the mirror. I said, it's as if the girls are a reflection of the person that Kimberly has been. And when she goes to take the photo off the wall, she then is looking directly into the mirror where she has to confront her own reflection. And that's when she decides to cut her hair off. So that's when she decides to change the things she She's doesn't like about herself. Making a choice to alter her reflection at that point, like how the world would perceive yes. her from that. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. I think there's uh I could be wrong. I could be analyzing. They say nothing in film is on accident. And sometimes we do things when we're making movies that are subconscious that we don't actively know what we're doing. But Absolutely. I, 
I think that that that's what I read out of that that situation. Um, I think that but, makes me appreciate that scene much more because that scene always struck me as being fairly odd. Well, it's very catty. It's very catty. It's, it's very catty. But the the immediate reaction to just be like, I'm going to cut my hair. Like, I was always like, I don't understand that because I'm a stupid boy. But like, and I was but like, her, I her like hair, parents make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that ties into like as fans of the show and now of the comics, like knowing her parents specifically, like kind of what that home life is like, that makes more sense. But yes, they do make a big deal of it. So I guess that like would have much more of an impact. Well, I think it's also for her. I think hair is a different thing for different people. It's just, it's a matter of expression. It's a very big thing when it comes to an outward expression of who you are internally, I think for a lot of people. So I think that's just, you know, the metaphor of what it is, but I also wrote here. I don't think Jason really wanted to be a football star. I think he wants to be more, but he doesn't know what else he wants to be. Uh, And I think that's kind of the pressure he's feeling from his family. And and so I think that's why he did what he did in the beginning. He was kind of blowing up his life on purpose. It's I, and that is something that happens with individuals. Like as someone who deals with younger individuals on a daily basis, like getting stuck into the roles that your parents want and, my other nephew as someone who was like kind of shoehorned by his father to be like, well, you're going to do this because I want you to be muscular and do this and do this and do this. And he was like, I just want to watch horror movies and like talk to my uncle about filmmaking and do all this weird stuff. But also I guess I'll be a wrestler like that. Also like there are two aspects of this where very young individuals in my life, I was able to identify and be like, this reminds me of so-and-so this reminds me of so-and-so like the, the I think you're spot on with like the Jason thing, like not wanting to be. Well, his dad even says that. it. Yeah. His dad even says, you know, you can hear it. Like he, he could have been so much more. And I know that's a big part of this movie together. We are more. And I think it's, there's like, it, it comes into like Trini Trini's character later when she talks about, she doesn't really have that safe space to talk with her parents either. So it's, it, the I think the 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 relationship these Power Rangers set up with each other is very much um, it, 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 it's like there's like some sort of like a purity to it and openness and an honesty and a I, I write about it a little bit more, but it is about that whole thing where it's about that freedom of saying I don't know what I want, you know, or being like. I don't want to do this, but I do want to be more, but I don't want to, but saying you want me to be this doesn't mean I'm being more And their kids. Like that's the, the thing, like they're so young to, to have them shoehorned into these lives or these roles or to like lock them out of being something that they might want to be just because that's not a social norm, I think is huge. And for people mm-hmm. to like see it's, it's huge. Yeah. I so okay so I continuing on I wrote this so this is after they leave detention I wrote another cool shot with the bike and so that this is another one of the shots so now we're like three shots into this three shots already in the first like 10 minutes of this movie I think are pretty cool cuz the bike where it's just Jason's bike downward but the the ground underneath of it keeps changing and I always think that when Billy's mom answers the door and she's like 
Jason Scott. Oh my God. I always think that is so <laughs> funny to me. I don't know. It is. Um, I also wrote a note here. Where's Angel Grove? Like it's not California anymore, right? Like this is, no, this is like wait. Maine or Washington or upstate this, California. Or it's either upstate California, Seattle, or like it's in new England somewhere. Like it is definitely somewhere different from, it's like a fishing town, right? A fishing yeah. thing. Gloucester, so, Massachusetts. I don't know. <laughs> Are you in Gloucester? Gloucester. Um, I, yeah. The well, well, I did write. I wrote here. I said, uh, um, I said, although I guess um, when we meet Trini for the first time, you know, when she's doing like the the whatever she's doing up there, I don't know the exercises, and she's overlooking the town. That actually is how the original setup was. There was mountains that overlooked the town, like overlooked. Well, Angel Grove was a city. This is a town, I think. In the in this, I, I don't dislike it. I, I, in fact, for me, it's even more relatable and even more scary when a freaking monster runs through you know it's relatable but like you look at it and you're like it's a it's a town it reminds me of in resident evil raccoon city like it's a very small town surrounded by pretty much nothing in mountains so like when in resident evil they blow it up it's like well that doesn't really matter in this it's like yeah it makes sense when the giant monster shows up it's okay because there's so much space aside from the city where they could be like messing around. Well, I think, I think part of that too is maybe it's adding to that high school, small town mentality. Like it's, it's like, okay, well let's add an, another element. They're in an isolated small town, you know, there's mountains they're on this thing. And also that's why they're like all randomly hanging out in these Hills or whatever. Like where I grew up, it was just cranberry bogs everywhere. So yeah, it was like this thing where you just kind of go into the woods or something. That's because I was like, okay, well, Jason brings Billy up to this place. What? You grew up in an ocean spray commercial. I basically actually did. But um, Billy brings Jason up to this place that is like an hour away. But then like Zach is up there and Trini is up there, but they don't have a car. How did they get up there? Not trying to poke holes in the movie. Well, I mean, that to me, as someone who grew up in like in the woods, like, that might be one of those things where it's like a, a very like it's trails or something like you always go up to so-and-so's trails or something. And Zach doesn't live in the town. Like Zach and his mother live outside of the town. No, they live in. Um, so they, we had, we had a couple of these in my town, like two, at least um, the trailer parks. Like there was, mm-hmm. we had, we had a couple of those. So like I, I do feel that when Zach says that, but he's also like hanging out in that weird abandoned train car. That's in the top of a gold mine. What are these kids lives? But anyway, it was fine. It was fine. Um, so we kind of moved through this a little bit. And so I realized this. So when Spilly like sets off the explosion and you see the glass everywhere and they look and they're like, Oh, these things in the glass. I always started to think about this. Is Zordon a wizard? Because he set the power coins down and they made the glass so I'm just realizing like he made that like, was he using mm-hmm. magic or was he just, is it, I don't know. It could have been science. I don't know. I, like yeah, I guess. I don't know. I also um, said Zach jumping on the van is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's so stupid because it's, uh, Billy and Jason picking up the girls is fine to me. 
but Zach jumping from a high distance onto a moving van. Why wouldn't he, how would he have not fallen off that van or so, I, I don't, I guess that they were seemed, trying to put them all together, but I don't like that. He seems like an individual who is from the other side of the tracks. Right. I think we're, mm-hmm. we've established like he's not in the same vicinity, but he also seems like that kid from the other side of the tracks that might do crazy things to try to get appreciation from others, might steal somebody's Thunder Megazord for street charts. That's his backstory, actually. If you ever read anything about this, it was that he's obsessed with becoming like a a YouTube celebrity or like an inst. That's why in the movie, Zach says so many times, we're going to be famous. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to do this is because he wants to he wants to be famous so he can sell, he can pay for the mother. That's what you're supposed to learn later with the mother. A lot of Zach's story got cut out of the movie. That's what I gathered. Also, I thought when you were like, oh, that's his backstory. I thought you were going to go down this rabbit hole of him being like, yes, he actually did steal your Thunder Megazord when he moved. It was Zach, mother. yeah. No, Zach yeah. did, yeah. I um, changed my name, Zach. I wrote, um, I also wrote, how did Rita actually wake up by pulling her out of the sea? I always thought it was reuniting her with the power coin, but then I kind of realized she has it in her hand the whole time. So why, how I mean, did she I wake up? Like they've, she might've been in some sort of stasis, but like, I also have in her notes, like her introduction is straight up horror movie. No, all like, of her stuff is very horror movie. Yeah. I, and I love it. Am I wrong? Like, no, no, I, I enjoy it too. Anyway. But when she rips the her, guy's the guy's teeth out of his mouth. But like even that weird like jump cut of like when she wakes up in that the fishing trawler thing, like all of that. I was I saw this movie and I was like, I didn't have people around me the first time I saw it. And I was like, holy sh-. like, I was well, like, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is her when she's in the gold shop and the jewelry shop. And it's all the weird <laughs> cutting when she's like trying to do this. And the guy goes and the guy shoots her with the shotgun. And then she like puts the coin in the cane. Is I that love that movie, scene. Is that scene like full of oblique tilts or am I wrong? Well, it, a lot of this movie actually is. It's a lot of like Dutch angles and stuff like that. It's all like, you know, but it's intentional. It, it's not like Battlestar or battlefield earth where it's just like, well, we need to make this character look taller. It's done for a purpose, right? Oh no, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. Rita's Rita's camera angles are always kind of off. And to make you feel uncomfortable when you're looking at Rita, it's intentional, you know? Okay. Um, I, I said, I always thought the like van, the immediately falling the van scene was a little bit weird for me. I said, I think it's weird how they all wake up. Okay. Like were they instant instantaneously transported to where they were? Were they like transported out? What happened? I'm fine that that's part of the mystery, but I always, I, it's, it's a weird thing. I, and also I don't love, they're super strength stuff. Like that's not what makes you a power ranger. But I think that became such a big thing when Disney took over power rangers for that little, that, that little bit of 10 years. But um, I, I think that was kind of a thing. Cause you think like the ninjas storm rangers had their powers and then the dino thunder rangers. I think this is heavily influenced by dino thunder though, because each one of them had very specific powers from their dino gems. And then, the mm-hmm. SPD had powers. Mister Force had the mat. Like that was this whole slew of like, if you were a Power Ranger, it gave you powers. And I was like, okay, well, we're, one th- is morphing into a superhero not enough. Well, there's no, there's no outright morphing in this, so they need powers. 
especially yeah, it, it, time not in suits. They need to give them something. I know, but that was the whole thing. That was a show. They needed this. Like I, I wanted like civilian hand to hand combat. And then this made them better than I, it's fine. I don't, I don't, it doesn't like, I don't hate it. I just was like, well, that wasn't really the original show because you're supposed to, it's supposed to be like any person is, is a power range. But anyway, so, um, I said, I wish that deleted scene about the van was in the movie because it's only like 10 seconds long, but it would have really tied up that loose end so much nicer. Like the police are obviously collecting this van in that one scene where they drive by it. Right. And they're like, they're going to find the registration. They're going to be like, what happened here? What was going on? And they're come lo and behold, when this Blu-ray came out, there's that scene where Billy is eating the cereal at the table. It literally adds 10 seconds to the movie, 10 seconds. And you would have tied up this major plot hole in your movie. Major gap for me. Did I miss this deleted scene? I don't like just explain what happened. It's like after Billy finds out that the Zeo crystals in the Krispy Kreme it, and then it, like Jason is at the funeral with his family for the fisherman that died. Kimberly looks to him and then like Billy's eating the cereal, watching the news and the camera's pulling out. That's in the movie. But as the camera's pulling out and the deleted scenes right where it cuts in the movie, there's a little bit more. And the mom says, all right, the police are wrapping up their report about the van. Um, are you sure you don't remember anything that you want me to tell them or anything like that? And he pauses and he goes it's crazy how somebody took the van isn't it and then he taps his head and taps her head and that's because that there is a scene there's another deleted scene where they tell him that's how he'll lie about it i think they could have cut the lying scene and just kept that 10 seconds of him saying to the mom this is crazy isn't it and tapping the head because it added Hmm. one clearly that extra where he doesn't really know how to lie billy is like purity he is the purest yeah. character in this movie. So it was one of those where it was a cute character moment. It literally adds 10 seconds to the running time. Somebody who was the editor or whoever was like, we need to shorten this movie up because it's longer than expected, I think. But somebody so, so, just went, cut out all that extra van crap and oh somebody God. went too far. And with the stuff that happens to him later, like that would make so much more like of a connective yeah for him and Jason like if he's like oh you're gonna lie about this like this is how you do it like he teaches him a thing like it's a negative thing to do but like they're building a connection that should be in the movie see yeah so this episode is running pretty long we're almost at an hour right about at an hour so uh, Ken I hope you're okay with it but I think that we should cut it here and pick up our conversation right here where we left off next week with another episode. Does that, does that work for you? Oh, do it. Do it now. Do it. Do it now. And cut. No. Um, so yeah, so we're going to, we'll stop that. We'll pick up this conversation. We'll get through the rest of the movie. When we got a lot to say about this movie. Um, who knew? So yeah, who knew, who knew, you know? Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, please uh, contact us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, we're podcast Rangers. It's P O D C A S T R A. I shouldn't have started spelling because I don't know. If you can't spell podcast <laughs> rangers, I can't like help you because I can't spell it myself right now. Too much. Yeah. So uh, if you want to send us an email with future show topics or just to chat or whatever, podcast rangers at gmail.com. 
Um, you can reach us on there. We'd love to uh, have start a dialogue with anyone out there listening and uh, get some future show topics going and everything like that. But thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with part two of our Power Rangers 2017 movie discussion. Um, and that'll be a new episode of Podcast Rangers.